Welcome to the only show dedicated to a new way of delivering healthcare. This new model has no name, but let's go ahead and call it direct contracting or digital first care. The new way centers on opting out of the games bigs play with their rigged dice, their crooked game board, and their purchased referees. And if you're looking for a future where everyone wins, that's the doc, the consumer, the employer, and with assured amazing outcomes and measurably lower costs that are ranging up to 60%, you're in the right place. I'm Ron Barshop, your host. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the new healthcare economy. All right. Well, happy new year, y'all, and welcome to the 10 live show for 2022. Jeremy Kaur is my producer. And do you remember three years ago what happened this day? I do. I, uh, I reached out to you on LinkedIn and asked you if I could uh, have a quick phone call with you because I like the stuff you were posting on there. And I, I thought uh, you should uh, kind of broaden your reach a bit. Yeah. And you said, told me that you're doing a show with Robbie Pearl. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. said, you can stop right there. You had me at Robbie. You didn't even have to say <laughs> Pearl. And uh, I said, if you're doing a show with him and Scott Becker, I'm in, you know, I didn't need to hear much more. Awesome. Yeah. My but pleasure. My pleasure. And I mean, it's yeah, been a you. heck of a journey working on this with you over the last couple of years. I mean, it's been great to see the fascinating and interesting guests you've had on quite a bit of, you know, diverse thought leadership in the DPC space, like, you know, direct contracting space. It's been really an eye opener for how primary care should work. Yeah. Well, thank you. Anyway, three years, 150 episodes. And I do remember that day as if it was yesterday. So here we are. But here are the 10 lies in healthcare that we're going to be talking about this year, the lies that are dispelled by the facts on the ground in 2021, the guests that we had, as Jeremy said. So remember, primary care is cured already, and I don't mean for the shareholders and the suits. Yes, sick care or transaction care is working beautifully for those few people that it's designed to enrich at our expense. And if you've been a shareholder of healthcare, you've had a pretty good ride the last 20 years. There's only two categories that beat healthcare. So I'm saying it's no longer broken for the rest of us if you opt out and into a couple of new models that are emerging with tens of thousands of PCPs and tens of millions of consumers, both for employees and for retirees. These two models are working beautifully. It's no longer for the consumer, a DMV experience in a cornfield maze, a soul-sucking meat grinder for docs and PAs and nurses. For employers, it's no longer a pricey cruise ship without any steering wheel. It's a cheap common thief of us all. So no longer. Primary care and by extension healthcare is cured. It is fixed. That's the name of the show. So let's do this, the big 10 lies. If you're a PCP, number one, you should work for a big system because independents are soon about to become dinosaurs if they aren't already. Number two, we have a shortage of primary care providers. Nope. Number three, our health declines as individuals. Put another way, diabetes, hypertension, and all lifestyle diseases are not sustainably and scalably reversible. That's a hard pass lie. Number four, employers are trapped as costs of care only rise uncontrollably, all contraire. Number five, employees are also trapped. Number six, no one or no big idea will save us. And number seven, my insurance advisor, broker, consultant is on my side. Really? 
CFO still swear blood oaths on that lie, but they won't soon, I bet, with a new disclosure rule coming out this week. We'll talk about that. Number eight, my company plan protects me financially. That's kind of a chilling one. Number nine, the triple aim is unachievable. Triple aim means you can get either happy patient, better outcomes, or lower costs, but not all three. You got to take two and subjugate one, but you can't win all three. Nope. That's a lie. For decades now, it's been a license. By my count, 94, when the first DPC clinic opened, and ironically, the first transparent surgery center opened in Oklahoma City around the same time, almost the same month. Number 10, retail clinics are the death of primary care, of the sacred doc-patient relationship. Now, I'm going to give you a warning or spoiler alert on this. You're going to all get mad at me for my rant on this one, or you should, or maybe you'll agree with me. We'll see. Okay, so the foundation of this show when we started this three years ago, Jeremy, was to thank you again. The framework was there must be a way to cure primary care and by extension healthcare in America. And I didn't have the answer when we started it and I learned it over time and it just keeps becoming more and more in focus with the more smart people we all talk to. So it's so broken that the bar is death valley low. You'd have to be a tapeworm to limbo under that bar, but it's easy to raise such a low bar as the good news. And to evaluate this so-called cure, we ask, these six highly measurable questions. So it's the triple aim on steroids. Okay, the big reveal, and you've heard it all before, is we have conquered not just the triple, quadruple, or even quintuple aim, but yes, the sextuple aim. I guess I made your ears perk up by mentioning sex in there. Well, it's six aims, conquered, not two or three, or two of three, or three of four. It's all six. And here are the six highly measurable stakeholders. Do doctors win definitively? Do the consumers win definitively? And do payers win like employers or the government in Medicare's case? So do outcomes improve measurably? And do costs drop measurably? And can the larger community we live in win as well? And that's the sixth one nobody is talking about, but we're going to today and have in previous shows. So yes, boom shakalaka on all six counts. There it is, okay. So let's dig into this a little bit. Lie number one, which we can also call opportunity number one if you're a glass half full kind of person, is that independent PCPs are soon going to be extinct like the dinosaurs. So about 70% of all docs work for either private equity or big systems today and over half all PCPs. That number is 57% for family physicians and about 47% for internal medicine and pediatrics less so. But in early days of the pandemic, Congress gave a big whopping $175 billion free cash, doubling strategic reserves of the bigs to accelerate the hospital's buying spree with virtually no strings attached. And the pandemic forced a lot of independent PCPs to sell because they had five months of zombie volume, but bills to pay anyway. So record numbers sold out to and had to to the bigs. And in primary care, here's what is still alive and well outside of the bigs, two models, two models. Value-based care held its own. These ACOs got a capitated amount of, let's say, 10000 per Medicare patient. And every dime they deliver under that amount of care, they get as a bonus or share in that bonus with CMS. So volume is out, outcomes are in, medical adherence is in, more screenings are in, frequency of contact is in, 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 in. The pandemic didn't kill value-based care, BBC. And these value-based payments are a tiny fraction of fee-for-service, but cover a third of the docs that are using it deeply or somewhat. And as we'll get into in number 10, the retailers have all partnered with value-based care docs. So many of which you've been on the show. 
Also, let's talk about direct contracts because it's my favorite subject. They are the second model that did extremely well in a pandemic because they had a monthly subscription and didn't have to rely on volume. So zombie volume didn't have any impact. Amazon Care has chosen, for example, to go this path to pursue employers and they just signed up Hilton Hotels and a couple of other bigs. So the subscription model with currently has at least 30 million patients that we know of on this show. There could be 40 or 50, we have no idea because nobody's tracking this. And there must be at least 20,000 PCPs to support this, if not more. So over two dozen firms are scaling direct primary care. Some are doing it nationally now. Some are going public now. And direct primary care is a subset of what we call direct contracting because employers can contract eventually with a whole ecosystem, not just primary care. That's one of the five fingers. So those are two models doing very well right now, VBC and DPC. We'll get more into the VPC later, but direct contracting is a less narrow term I prefer to use rather than direct primary care because it encompasses really what's going on. And if you're a PCP and independent, you, sir or madam, are in the middle of a giant land grab. Extinct? No. Rising in your happiness, comp, and power? Yes, that's all coming. Yes, independence takes on a whole fresh new meaning when you're free of the bigs having to work for the man. And that's what's happening. So let's go to line number two. There simply aren't enough primary care doctors out there today. And there's three solves out there that we explored on this show in the last three years. And the first one and most important one for sure that has taken off for sure with COVID is you can call it telehealth, virtual primary care, digital first care. That's the term I like the best. And that came from crossover health guys, but it's up 40X, not 40%, but 40X because it's all about efficiency. Babylon Health, for example, use AI in their virtu virtual offering and they can serve over 15,000 members per doc. It's really closer to 18,000. But DG can serve 2,000 consumers per provider, members we should call them per provider. And will this scale? Well, Babylon has 23 million members globally, over a million here in the US. It has scaled. They're the largest group providing primary care in the UK right now. They only have 1,600 docs. Okay. Let's talk about that later because that's a big subject. FMGs, foreign medical graduates or international medical graduates, some call them, are a third of our docs in America, but 5,000 a year can't get residency slots because we're too restricted and have been frozen since early 90s on residency slots, but that opened up a little bit this year with a thousand slots funded temporarily. And with the new Biden bill, his infrastructure bill, that doesn't look like it's gonna pass, there are 5,000 slots opening to be funded by the federal government. Well, if it doesn't pass, at least it's nice to see Congress awake for the first time in a long time, even if it's just for a red hot second or two in history, at least they're awake. So we learned this year on the show about another problem with number three. So we've talked about telehealth, virtual care, FMGs. Now we're talking about nurses as a solution to the shortage. They are getting scope equivalency now in 36 of the 50 states and up from 19 pre-pandemic. And all the small territories, they have equivalency there too. But of the 850 nursing schools, over half have these ridiculous pass rates. And over three-fourths of them, of the 850 schools, are training academics, not clinical pathways, and their board exams aren't that tough either. And they know internally they have a problem as over half drop out within five years. That's a big problem. And remember, they aren't prepared clinically if they took the academic track, which is most of these graduates. So nursing is way too important, but no, not all these diploma mills, they're not important. That needs cleaning up. 
because it cheapens the profession and it's a noble and important profession. So the shortage of docs is always an efficiency problem and virtual care appears to be the big winner as a potentially great answer along with more FMGs who can now become associates docs in six states. They train a few years under a doc, an MD or a DO, and then they get a residency equivalent. So hopefully more than six states will wake up to that opportunity. Now, we don't have a shortage then as we have a virtual hockey stick up by 40X. And if AI works as it should, and it isn't with Babylon, digital first or virtual care, we won't. And if we add residency slots, it doesn't seem to me like the math has a problem working for the number of PCPs we have, even though there's a giant number retiring over the next five years. So virtual care and behavioral health has become so important that three of the big five, actually four of the big five insurers announced an all 50 state virtual care rollout, as did Walmart, as did Teladoc, as did CVS. It is yet the future. So hate it or love it. I live with it for four years now. I love it. I can't imagine not having my virtual digital first assistant where I can contact a nurse very quickly with any quick question or get a med very quickly if it's routine. So one third of the Fortune 100s through Medici and all four of the leading Silicon Valley employers we can name through Crossover Health and One Medical have adopted this digital first care. And direct contracting is 100%, well, it's most of the time this flavor of care, digital first. So here's what we learned from the Babylon visit with Darshak Sangavi is that all, well, 90% of all office visits are eliminated with digital first. So again, we had an efficiency problem, never a shortage, the Babylon Health proved that with this 90% number and all primary care exams are easily virtually provided or 90%, I should say. So it's hard to disagree with success. They have more PCP visits than anyone else in the UK and they're hitting our shorts now with well over a million patients, mostly VBC consumers. And they're going public as is Everside, which is a DPC offering and Village MD, another VBC that's partnering with Walgreens. And one medical listed two years ago by Apple. Thank you, Apple. Okay, number three, lie. Our healthcare declines and always, or at best maintains, as not only individuals, but as a nation. Well, reversing diabetes is kind of the four minute mile because if you can do it, then you can easily reverse hypertension, possibly COPD and asthma, back issues, orthopedic issues, because if you can lose weight, five to 8% of your weight, or to 10% consistently and over a sustained time, well, that's winter, winter, chicken dinner for America, and that's a winter for consumers and for employers, for everybody, for CMS. So right now, 800 people are dying a day from diabetes. It's almost as big as the COVID at its peak, and it's 25% of the cost of all our care. If you throw in all the lifestyle diseases, that's 86 to 90% of our costs of all of our health care. Decades now, we've had a chronic pandemic without a headline. Is it reversible and scalable and sustainable is the million dollar question? Indubitably, yes. We had as our guest, Dr. Frank Dumont of Verta Health. They put diabetes in remission years one through three, year five data comes out soon. 93% of patients reduced or eliminated insulin use. That's big after one year. Engagement was quadruple the normal metrics at a two to three year time frame. That's double or triple what it should be. And I also refer you to the Gene Teschler interview as well. It's been done, not once, not twice, but it looks like several companies are now tackling this and succeeding. Can it scale? Well, the good folks at Verta will 
face massive headwinds once the doors blow open on their five-year data, which comes out very soon, because that success threatens big pharma, big middles like PBMs, big hospitals. Yes, big insurers. They don't like smaller volume. Bigs have a lot to lose when we all win. So we now have hope, though, that these digital and team approach platforms that turn the tide in 86% of our costs, uh, these models just might give us a future where everybody wins. And I just, I can't stop thinking about David Sinclair. Dr. David Sinclair, I take a pill regimen every morning because of him. He has the heart of a 21-year-old, even though he's in his 50s, because of age reversal research he's doing out of Harvard, and now thousands are following him. So he's on the short list for the Nobel, but uh, it is all reproducible and scalable there because he'll have a podcast soon and a lot more people are going to start taking these um, over-the-counter and medications like metformin. So number four, the costs of care only rise, 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 rise. Well, we now have over 10 years of data that show that having a relationship with a PCP radically reduced your costs individually and extends your life like getting rid of smoking, like wearing a seatbelt. And with a DPC relationship, ER visits, hospital stays, specialist visits, medications, and all those tests and labs decline anywhere from 20 to 60%, depending on which guest I'm talking to. We've had a dozen nationally scaling DPC clinic leaders on the show just last year, and the evidence is crystal clear. Outcomes improve as expensive downstream usage declines because you're getting more care up front. That's not news. Retail clinics, VBC owned by independents and DPC are important because they're referral machines into the bigs? No, they're not. Your system owned doc is, and 70% of all urgent care clinics, most people don't know, are owned by the bigs, even though you'd never know it because there's no truth in labeling on the package like the FDA requires. There's no easy to find labels on the signage in most states or marketing collateral because the retail urgent care centers refer great commercially insured patients into the machinery. They're great fodder into the great healthcare meat grinder. Okay, so costs decline when direct contracting with primary care and really get amazing when doing the same with independent pharmacies like Scriptco, another guest on our show last year. You get pennies a pill access to generics for 140 bucks a year. Imaging independence like green imaging, the same. We've had 60 surgery centers open in the last few years that are all transparent pricing on almost all their surgery procedures. We had as a guest recently, Texas Medical Management and the great surgery center of Oklahoma who started it all. And Santa Surgery can get you there too. So number five, employers are stuck in an upward cost spiral. Direct contracts save 20 to 60%, it's that simple. Ashley Bacow of Rosen Hotels, Rosen Care has been on twice. They have saved over 30 years, $450 million quitting the bigs back in the early 90s. They have no corporate debt on a 6,500 room set of hotels in Orlando, and they eliminate all the administrative waste and middlemen by offering their own clinics and workout facilities and well consult programs on site at the Rosen Hotel Centers in Orlando. And they plow that savings not only to free college tuition for their own people, but into the neighborhood. So the crime is almost zip in Tangelo Park that surrounds them. And the turnover at the hotel is a tiny fraction of their industry. It's 14% versus 75%. And they just adopted a much bigger school district, even poorer than Tangelo Park. So they don't lose people there at Rosen Hotels. And they not only attract easily from their own neighborhood, but it's a genius move because the community wins because they're going direct. PJD, Paul Johnson Drywall, saved millions annually on their workers' comp alone. Forget their healthcare is half what it was. 
Enough of it's going direct to be an, the untouchable leader in Arizona and Nevada for drywall. They're in the top 10, if not the top five, for drywallers nationally. In the state of New Jersey, thanks to Chris Deacon on this show, fully funded their pension plan with direct contracted savings exceeding $1.5 billion. No one can remember the last time New Jersey did that. Montana did the same. Thank you, Marilyn Bartlett. Both of these giant ladies left the state employment because of headwinds. And Jersey gave an 800,000 group of people, their state employees, their teachers, their retirees, a month vacation from their premiums last year. There's another example of the community winning. Imagine if every metro had a Rosen Hotel, adopted sports district. Or what if every craft had untouchable employees because they offer house buying and college assistance and pay time off in a construction trade where work is less certain. So the worker has dreams again of a better future. And if every state funded its pension liability built up over the decades and gave everybody a vacation from pension, from premium payments, and in direct contracting, costs can literally go out to zero because everybody of the tens of millions who no longer have premiums and deductibles can now move to better school districts and live in nicer neighborhoods and spend more locally for the first true raise in decades with premiums and deductibles gone. So for every thousand who get that raise via an employer via direct contracting, that's another 20 million in local spending power by my estimate, easily. Well, that's local debt repayment on your credit card for first ever vacation for families that have never had one. Way better in every way than a federal stimulus because it's free. No, the federal stimuluses are never free. So these are all community dividends that come from direct contracting. Again, it's employer direct contract for the health ecosystem and digital first care paired together, hand in glove. See how this is all tying together. So some of the employers and regular folks who are also using health care tourism that are offered by guests, Debbie Shetty, the world eminent cardiologist and Dutch Rojas, we've mentioned before with Santa surgery. Traveling out of your town to a center of excellence pays so well and has so much better outcomes. Walmart adopted this for their 2 million employees and they've saved a billion in 2019 using this along with other direct strategies. So these are all tools in your toolbox now too. You're meeting these folks on the show. Number six, we're halfway through. All right, employees are trapped too. Well, to make this simple, I use Redirect Health for unlimited primary care labs in Cairo and Sidera covers my catastrophic in case something scary like cancer, a cardio or car accident happens. So for 600 a month, I get everything I need. I love them both. And we are having a guest on next week. You're going to hear Crowd Health. If paired with Scripto, I believe at $12 a month can go, do, does a GoFundMe type crowdfunding. It's a new unproven model, 19 months old for non-smokers and anybody under 300 pounds and under 65. I know less about this model, but we, had, we will have Andy Schoonover on for you to listen to next week. So these options are even for those with company plans. You can opt out if your high deductible plan is unusable. Just don't expect these smarter models, these newer models to cover that knee surgery you always needed to put off. You can't scan these plans with your pre-existing condition. Number seven, no big idea saves us. The answer is, yeah, we just talked about it. Direct contract with redirect, crowdfund with crowd health. Do your own due diligence. It's scary to leave the name brand behind you've heard of and had for your decades. But redirect has a 4.7 star Google rating. And I've been with them for four years. I've had zero problems, only good experience. And they're going to be a sponsor of the show next year. So, but I would say the same thing as what they were not the sponsor of the show. 
but I've been with them, as I said, four years. So you can choose to sidestep the bigs and shameful outcomes and unsustainable cost bumps with any kind of direct contracting benefit advisor I feature or these companies I mentioned, and I'll name the advisors in a minute that have been on the show. So you just opt out. It's what self-insured employers are doing. They opt out, meaning they take the healthcare financial risk on themselves, and then they'll hire an advisor who presents someone like Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway to take the catastrophic, the cancer, the car, the cardio off of them. And then they'll be joining the Silicon Valley and Walmart and Rosen Hotels in New Jersey's and Montana's of the world and saving a lot of money and getting better outcomes. And there's countless more who have found creative ways to sidestep these middles that are not really looking out for us, but looking out for themselves, but for the transparent advisors. That's number eight. Nice segue, Ron. Okay, if your insurance broker or advisor cares about you, I want to be really black and white. I don't believe 98% of the consultants and advisors out there really do what the guests that we have on this show do, which is to re-engineer the health spin and re-engineer it from the bottom up. Just tear it down, start over. Michael Maneri, Lester Morales, David Contorno, Rachel Means, Carl Schusler, Katie Talento, they all do this. If you remember the health rosetta, Dave Chase, he's got over 150 advisors that are in his ecosystem and they're looking out for you because they're not only completely transparent, but they're gonna break everything up sidestep these massive systems and direct contract locally wherever where people are. So maybe one to 2% of the advisors really care about you more than their country club membership. And if your advisor's delivering to you around this time of year, another rate increase with a bottle of tequila and an Omaha steak, well, they love their kids' college fund more than they care about you. If you're an advisor, if you don't get on this train, you're gonna find yourself losing clients for those who are on the train in the coming years. It's pure defense being proactive in direct contracting because it's just that much better in every possible way. And here's the fire accelerant that's going to really trigger the advisors to wake up if they haven't already. The CAA is now where HHS requires a full fee disclosure. That exposes you this week. Good luck with the fallout of disclosing up to 17 hidden fees that you get. And I got that number repeatedly, the same number, 17, from several advisors who left big letter houses and, as they say, left the dark. So Google, if you're interested, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, the CAA, that requires this new full fee disclosure. Number eight, my company plan financially protects me. Well, maybe not so much today, but... 85% of us say medical bills scare us, and half of us are currently carrying medical debt. Half. That just came out. That means 80, over 85 million, maybe as much as uh, 150 million. So, and half of that half has over $1,000 of carried debt. It's a big business. Half of all medical bankruptcy had company insurance. That's 250,000 families last year bankrupt because, and they had insurance. So they're functionally uninsured. The debt.com survey just came out last week found that nearly three in four Americans believe their household pays too much for the quality of healthcare they receive. So about 60 million US adults find their healthcare costs to be a major financial burden for their families. Uh, functionally uninsurance, it's the number one problem I believe in America and it's worse than the uninsured by the numbers. You have a company plan, you can't afford to use it. That's 40 to 80 million of us. It's hard to estimate, but Uninsured is only less than half that at 29 million versus 40 to 80 million. So if you're unhappy with your plan, opt out of this exclusively American brand of insanity and needless worry. Okay, 
So look, direct contracting, as you know, is direct primary care, but for the larger ecosystem, everybody takes cash in healthcare. So it's the cash healthcare system. They prefer cash over the insurance, the billing and the collecting and the pre-offs. Everybody in care is part of this direct ecosystem, whether they know it or not. That's imaging, labs, tests, surgery, labor and delivery, even pharmacy can be purchased direct. Everybody wants cash. Docs win with no billing, no collecting, no coding, no recoupments. Those working in direct care have panels of up to half or a fourth of what they did in fee-for-service volume-centric care. So exams can now stretch out to 45 to 90 minutes when you have five to 800 patients instead of 1,500 to 2,500. And did you hear the no coding part? Maybe I should mention that again. And no pre-auths and no admin second-guessing your experience. Okay, the sidestepping of middlemen is all taking huge adoption rate up in this movement without a name, but I'm guessing at least, as I said, 30 million of enlightened employers and people on their own are never going to go back to the dark ages and the dark past of premiums, co-pays, deductibles, the tyranny of pre-authorizations and all of that nonsense, all of that friction. It's just so yesterday and transparency mandates by two presidents are opening the sunlight into the dark backroom deals between insurers and brokers, hospitals and insurers, a second act. Insurer-owned PBMs are even getting mandates. It's all a winning beginning away from what soon may feel like the dark ages of backroom, smoke-filled deals happening in secret places. So, okay, let's get to number 10 where pretty much everybody's going to get mad at me, but I really am a fan of retail clinics. Huh, so I think, are they the death of primary care? Walmart Health has 20 clinics, but they're opening a lot more. Um, they filed open in 37 states just a few months ago. CVS, they claim, the CEO claims that they're going to have over half of their 9,000 pharmacies filled with these hub health clinics that are more extended primary care offerings of their minute clinics that they have in over 900 locations right now. So those are just urgent care. This is going to be a much bigger offering, much more expanded offering. So Walgreens has dozens in Texas with Village MD, and now they're in a few other states. Uh, and they're all growing with this value-based care partner, like, as I said, Village MD or Oak Street or Beacon Health. CVS has yet to pick a primary care partner, but they're going to have to if they want to have access to a steady stream of doctors. So that deal is coming on like a freight train with grease brakes. Probably mad they don't have it yet. So it's a giant land grab for PCPs and primary care nurses with experience. It's the big retailer who wants you and the big insurer that wants you and virtual primary care companies like Medici. Teladoc, Babongo, uh, Babylon, and especially family, family practice because family practice has the widest scope of practice because they can see it all the way from pediatric up to gerontology. And they have not only this wide scope, but really there's just not that many of them. So retailers hope to sell more meds, but this is not really the land grab that forced their hands. This new primary care strategy is central and so deeply engaging their retail customers like home health, like infusions and dialysis, they get more DME sales like glucometers and walkers and glasses and hearing aids, and of course, more virtual care. So nationally scaling primary care by new players has completely redefined primary care. And we are seeing the adding of mental health and dermatology as well as on the primary care stack. And so Amazon and Walmart battle is stretching primary care to also include drone delivery on any health and item in Arkansas. Well, that's, we can see that in the future, right? And genomic testing and biopharma offerings by Amazon is coming or here. Both are lowering their med prices like affordable insulin for the first time in a long time. Thank you, Walmart. 
but this is a retail shifting and expanding of what primary could be and is going to be to make hospital-owned clinics rethink how they're going to compete for these consumers who vote with their feet and not patients or planted like trees in a garden. So even the term patient is infantilizing and paternalistic, and frankly, it's not anything more than doctor-centric. The future is clearly pointing to consumer-centric care, where we're not even going to mention the word patients. So that's what the future looks like with retail. Omnichannel is the hot new buzzword on Wall Street, and it means basically clicks and bricks and more that portal of care that once the consumer trusts you, they're going to give you more of their checkbook and more of their healthcare spend. So it's a real shot at they're all investing billions in, and they're going to hope to get not, not only intimate with the consumer, know them well, but to get more of their pocketbook, as I said. And what's more, more intimate than the doctor-patient relationship? It's sacred, in fact, so it's hallowed ground for many upset by this call I'm making that it's a good thing because they see it as an intrusion by a medical corporation. But the lie is this is bad. It's not bad. Retail clinics are a good thing because they don't have the pressure to refer into the hospitals and all of the ecosystem and cost and ridiculousness that that involves. So we want to stay out of hospital. Retailers are actually a very good thing. They're not pressured. All right. The new consumer experience is the game of foot. Winner, winner, chicken dinner is the consumer in all of this. Better cost better convenience, better outcomes. The next evolution is minimizing all these needless clinic visits like the Babylon model, model like Vert, Medici, like Verta, or maybe you get a care plan up front, but you don't need to go in maybe for a women's well check or vaccines, but you don't need to go in hardly at all. So look, specialist referrals have tripled in the last 20 years, and that's because of this RVU, this relative value unit pressure that hospital-owned doctors are bonused by. And remember, over 70% of all doctors are owned by these big system hospitals or private equity. So you refer to the bigs if you're getting RVUs, bonus points, basically, in imaging, lab specialists, surgery, even medications. Not all, but overwhelming most of these doctors and, and nurses have to refer if they plan on getting bonus this year. So value-based care eliminates that pressure to refer, and that's who the retailers are partnering with, as does direct contracting, of course. Okay. That's it. Well, wrapping up year three, show number 150, you talk to 50 really smart leaders and collect all these gold nuggets every year from the C-suite. They're moving the target in primary care. We start to see patterns and redefinitions and winners and losers maybe. And you kind of get a macro sense of what's going on from this perch in the anaconda's nest when you get to talk to all these smart people. And here's my take is the future is now so bright and it's so hopeful and you should be too, because it's a future where everybody wins when we opt out of legacy sick care, big addicting transaction care. Everybody wins, the doc, the consumer, the employers, the cost, the outcomes, community, the sextuple aim. That's the number nine lie in a nutshell. All six of these groups win with these two models, direct contracting for certain and value-centric care, especially full-risk models like ChinMed. We had Gordon on the show. Okay, so my favorite quotes from the 2021 shows, God, this is the hardest thing I do every year. There's so many good people and good quotes, but listen again to these shows if you want a lot more gold nuggets, because I'm just giving you a taste. But Peter Cranston was on our show recently, and he said this. So it took a long time, well, several years to, to really work through the business model. And again, another irony of all ironies, the answer for this business model was in plain sight 
right there on the coffee table. I said, what? He said, Google. Google gave me the answer to the business model for healthcare. So you want to get free healthcare, listen to that show. Dr. Frank Dumont of Verta Health blew me away many times in the interview, but he said this, if we don't have this medically supervised and make medication changes fast enough, people can be overtreated with their medications. And that can be just as dangerous as being treated, not at all. I spent 20 years as a PCP writing more medicines. Now I spend every day de-prescribing medicines. It's a lot more fun. Chris Deacon, she was with the state of New Jersey, is no longer, but she said this, when I came into this role, we were projected to spend, I believe, in 2022, over $4.5 billion a year in healthcare spending as a state for state employees and retirees. And we've kept that projection at bay to around $3 billion, despite increasing our membership across the board. Darshak Sangavi with Babylon Health blew me away many times. And one of the things he said, again, I've mentioned it earlier, is that and what we learned is that roughly 90% of care when done appropriately, and it took a while to really get these models right, but 90% of that care can be delivered mostly virtually. And Zach Zeller of Scriptco, he says, with us, you're paying three to five cents per pill. So if you're taking a pill, one pill a month, that's three cents times 30, I mean, 90 cents, it's pretty simple. Katie Talento always has 20 quotes I could pull from, but. <laughs> she said, direct contracting is the future. If I never see another CPT code again, it'll be too soon. So you got it right on. We're going to get rid of all these middlemen. Okay, folks, so that's it for the 10 lines in healthcare, 10 opportunities for those of you who are less glass half full kind of people. I don't know what 2022 is going to look like, but stay tuned and we'll figure this new shift out together, okay? So, and thank y'all for getting in touch with me. God, I got a lot of feedback last year and it really does help us direct the show and who we want to have as guests. So I'm so lucky to have a smart listener like you. And I so enjoy and appreciate this opportunity that we can have for this interaction. Together, we get to peek around the corner and see what's coming and what's happening in primary care, which is the engine of healthcare where the rubber meets the road, where the ripple effect on the larger ecosystem is going to start. It's the ecocenter. It's the mouth of the Nile because over half of referrals start with primary care. And PCPs always had the power, but your leadership gave it away when the rec was created. In my humble opinion, that's a whole nother rant. But the scariness ahead is unfounded as the consumer rises and bigs will learn to serve, to compete, not subjugate and dominate. Doctors will always have a gig. Your happiness will depend though on which model you hang your hat on. And I would bet on direct contracts I would bet on full risk value-based care because you get smaller panels with both longer visits, happier patients, less EHR. Employers competing for A players, yeah, it's a great tool to attract, retain, way healthier and happier team, and it pays for itself, direct contracting. And consumers, less fraction, and consumers get less friction in time and money, less aggravation, and the fear in billing is gone. So... I look forward to bringing you the best and brightest disruptors, thought leaders, drum bangers, secret gyms who know how to tell their story every week, who are telling the story of the fundamental rebuilding of healthcare from the ground up and the rebuilding of community too when everyone wins. So a giant hat tip to my brilliant guests and most important to you for listening. Have a great 2022 living in gratitude and in a future where we all win. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, 
go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.